liftoff and the clock has started. Hello again. It's Graham. I was on vacation when Doug asked me to come back and say this. So here goes. This is 20 minutes you'll never get back. See, I've had to resort to my pretend friends to help me out. <laughs> well, thanks, Graham. Yes, this is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode number 71. It's time to say hi to a couple of cities. I, I just checked the info for episode 70, and a couple of new cities popped up there. Salt Lake City and Aurora, Illinois. Welcome to both of you, and of course, hello to all my Chilean familia down there in South America. Okay, they're not really family, but you know, after 70 episodes, they're familia, okay? And lastly, four very special people I know were vacationing in Hawaii last week, and they took a break from the sun, the sand, the surf, the whole Hawaii-ness of it all, and decided to listen to the podcast just so I could secure Hawaii as another state on the list. So I do appreciate that. Thank you very much for uh, for tuning in. I hope I didn't wreck your vacation. <laughs> but you know who's not on the list? Uh-huh. Vermont. They're still not on the list. I've tried and tried, but apparently the people in Vermont want to keep their 20 minutes to themselves. Not cool, Vermont. <laughs> right, enough of that. Oh, let me ask you this question. Uh, do I sound different this week? You see, I decided to rearrange and reconfigure my recording studio and I have not been able to get it back to the way it was before. So, and I struggle for two days now to get the sound just right, um, putting all the technical crap back together the way it's supposed to be. And I don't know if I did it. So it was one of those projects you say right in the middle of it, man, I should just have left well enough alone, <laughs> but I didn't. Oh, and a little heads up. This episode will go longer than 20 minutes. Okay. I apologize. I think it'll be worth it. If it's not, um, I'll let me know and I'll give you an extra 10,000 points, okay? So uh, it will be a little longer. I apologize. All right, enough, enough. Uh, let's get to today's show. If you follow the show on that Instagram thingy, you got a big hint of what this episode was all about. There are a lot of iconic images that just scream at Christmas time. There's, of course, the decorated Christmas trees, there's Santa, there's manger scenes, there's elves and reindeer, and maybe even that little thing that sits on a shelf. But there's another one that's just as iconic, and that's the candy cane. Now, whether you love them or revile them, and we're going to get to that a little bit later on in the show, the candy cane says Christmas. Now, I know you all know exactly where this is heading. <laughs> you know what? You wouldn't be wrong. I wanted to learn more about the candy cane that everybody knows. So you know what? I did some candy cane research so you don't have to. We'll start here. According to the National Confectioners Association, candy canes are the number one selling non-chocolate candy during the month of December. The biggest single week for candy canes, well, that's the second week of December. The NCA says it's likely because most people decorate their Christmas trees that week. Oh, crap. Thanks for the reminder, NCA. <laughs> I need to get my tree up. But just when and how candy canes got their starts a little bit more uncertain than their popularity. Now, legend has it that the candy cane dates back to 1670. That's when the choir master of the Cologne Cathedral in Germany handed out sugar sticks to his young singers to kind of keep them quiet during the ceremony. Susan Benjamin is the founder of True Treats Historic Candy, and she's the author of Sweetest Sin, the unwrapped story of how candy became America's pleasure. So she should know, right? 
Susan agrees that the candy cane most likely took its shape in the 17th century in Europe when pulled sugars were all the rage. She says it was at the time, somewhere in Germany, that a hook was added to the stick. Benjamin also cites the theory that the German choir master gave candy sticks to his fidgety choir boys during the services. She adds it was a gentler form of enticement rather than whacking them with a stick. Well, duh. The church elders complained, saying that sweets were not appropriate at such a solemn place as church. So the choir master, he got an idea here, he added a hook, making the stick resemble a staff, figuring a religious reference would calm the church's concerns. <laughs> Way to go. That's a good workaround right there. The clergyman's custom of handing out candy canes during Christmas services would eventually spread throughout Europe and later to America. Now, most authorities agree that the white candy cane made its U.S. debut in 1847 in Worcester, Ohio. I don't have any listeners there. That's when a German-Swedish immigrant named August Imgard decorated a small blue spruce Christmas tree in his home with paper ornaments and candy canes. Today, we all know that the candy cane is made of alternating red and white stripes, but for 200 years before mass production was automated, they came in just one color, white. The first red and white striped candy canes appeared about 50 years later. Now, no one knows exactly who invented the stripes, but based on historical Christmas cards, we know that no striped candy canes appeared prior to the year 1900. Illustrations of striped candy canes didn't even show up until the beginning of the 20th century. Around that time, candy makers began adding peppermint and wintergreen flavors to their candy canes, and those flavors would soon become accepted as the traditional favorites. In 1919, a candy maker named Bob McCormick, he began making, well, candy canes. The McCormick Company became the leading peppermint candy cane producer during the late 1950s. Initially, the canes had to be bent by hand to make the J shape. That changed with the help of his brother-in-law, who invented the machine to automate candy cane production and add the J shape. By the end of the 1950s, his company was producing 1.8 million sticks of candy each day and had national sales of $3.3 million. But Doug, you're saying, why is a candy cane peppermint flavored? Come on, admit it, you were thinking that. Well, the iconic flavor of candy canes. How many times can I say iconic in one podcast? Jesus. The flavor of candy canes has a mystery, and no one knows who first created the peppermint confections. But here's the theory. Peppermint is a strong-smelling cross between watermint and spearmint. Peppermint is one of the world's oldest medicinal herbs used to treat stomach-related illnesses such as indigestion, nausea, in both Eastern and Western medicine. During the 18th century, candies were medicinal, which meant that your local apothecary was also your candy maker. And that's because the medicinal ingredients that were prescribed were usually unpalatable concoctions of herbs. To help get the patient to consume the unpleasant medicine, <laughs> the chemists would suspend the herbs in sugar. Peppermint was often added to these sugar mixes because its cooling taste helped to mask the flavor of the awful-tasting drugs. The peppermint Altoids were invented in 1781 by the London confectioner Smith & Company, which also made medicinal lozenges. Now, it wasn't until the 19th century 
that the apothecary and the candy maker started to become separate professions. After the U.S. Civil War, the price of sugar fell, which opened the door to the rise of candy. By the mid-19th century, peppermints had become a popular European candy. However, it's still unclear as to the exact person who first developed the idea. The first mention, or at least here in the United States, of peppermint-flavored sugar sticks appeared in the 19th century in a cookbook that included instructions on how to make peppermint candy sticks. And my last comment on candy canes is this. What's the best way to eat a candy cane? Well, the National Confectioners Association, you remember them? They conducted a survey that found that 72% of the people think that starting on the straight end is the proper way to eat a candy cane. 28% start at the curved end. I say either way, your hands are going to get sticky. (laughs) So now you know all you really want to know about candy cane. But what is the most popular candy treat at Christmas time? Well, when we come back, I have a list of the most popular Christmas candies for each state. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through all 50 of them. And a list of the worst Christmas candies. And one of them is on both lists. Don't go away. I say, yeah, go ahead, get your spouse an iron for Christmas. See how that works out for you. (laughs) Oh, and one more important fact I forgot to mention. December 26th, that's National Candy Cane Day. (laughs) I expect you all to be sitting around on the day after Christmas eating candy canes, okay? (laughs) Okie dokie, what is the most popular Christmas candy? And what does your state like best? Well, I promise you I'm not going to go through all 50 states, but I will go through how the ranking was. And after all that, we're going to talk about the worst candy. So stay tuned for that one. Candystore.com. It's an online bulk candy store. And they reached out to their customers to find out what candy they like best. They got over 23,000 responses. And they also checked their major candy manufacturers and distributors to be sure their survey corresponded with their seasonal observations. And what are the results? Well, this might come as a shock to you, but the number one Christmas candy is not the candy cane, although it does play an important part in the number one, and that is peppermint bark. Yep, peppermint bark. 14 states, or 28% of the states, favor this half milk chocolate, half white chocolate bar with a crunched up candy cane on top of it. You may not agree with it, but candy suppliers say peppermint bark is the number one Christmas candy. Coming in at number two, and it's actually a tie for second place, one of them is, yep, the candy cane. (laughs) And the lowly candy cane. And also tied for second place is the chocolate Santa. Now, I personally prefer the chocolate and marshmallow Santa, not the hard shell like the Easter Bunny version. You know, the one that's uh, long and skinny. (laughs) That's my favorite chocolate Santa. So I'm on board with that one. And rounding out the top five are Reese's Pieces slash Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, followed by Hershey's Kisses. 
but they have to be in that uh, red, silver, and green aluminum foil wrapping. <laughs> and lastly, uh, number five is, I can't figure this one out, Starburst Candies. <laughs> I, not even a Christmas version of Starburst, just Starburst Candies came in at number five. Those are the ones that uh, you, the consumers, have purchased as your top Christmas candies. Now, I told you I wasn't going to list all the states and what you all bought because it's just way too long. But there is one state I want to check on. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's Vermont. Since, you know, Vermont's dead to me. So they, here's my notes here. Oh, apparently they don't have time to listen to this podcast because they're too busy eating their favorite Christmas candy, Snickers. You know, nothing says Christmas like biting into a Snickers bar. You know, Vermont, I'll stop harassing you as soon as you listen to a podcast. It's just that easy. It's on you now. (laughs) All right, so peppermint bark, candy canes, and chocolate Santas are your favorite Christmas candies, according to CandyStore.com. But what about the worst? Well, here we go. CandyStore.com also did a survey of the Christmas candy people really hate, and haters gonna hate. So here are the top 10 Christmas candies people, A, don't want, B, don't offer to them. C, they'll spit it out. And D, they'll remove you from their gift list. Okay. Come in at number 10. And this is a shocker. It's the aforementioned peppermint bark. Yeah, it came in at the top in the favorite by state count. However, in the overall survey, it wasn't quite as popular. Comments from seriously passionate haters included, quote, the bark thing is way overdone. Peppermint bark is the pumpkin spice of Christmas. (laughs) Ouch. And my favorite one is a peppermint bark smoothie is just a peppermint smoothie, okay? There's no more bark if you puree it. (laughs) You tell them. Coming at number nine, chocolate oranges. Now, I know you've seen these things. It's an orange cream thing. It's covered in a chocolate ball in the shape of an orange. You smack it down and it breaks into slices. The haters' comments were, quote, It's kind of a mess. I want to like it, but it's not letting me. (laughs) Here's another one. All of a sudden, I'm seeing these chocolate oranges at Christmas time. Where the F did they come from? (laughs) Number eight, ribbon candy. This is the, if you've never seen this, it's really bizarre. It's long, thin, hard candy. It's coiled up like a ribbon. Now, most comments about ribbon candy seem to go along with the idea that the only thing ribbon candy has going for it is its appearance. The comments were, quote, the old school ribbon candy is stuffy looking and awkward to get your mouth around. (laughs) There's a Michael Scott joke in there somewhere, but I'm gonna leave it alone. Another comment was ribbon candy. Seriously, real ribbons look better, last longer and probably taste better. (laughs) I completely agree. I remember seeing these uh, these things in the candy dish at my grandmother's house at Christmas time. I think it was there just to keep me from eating candy. All right. Number seven non-peppermint candy canes. People love authenticity. And when you take something popular and spin it around, it usually comes off as kind of gimmicky. The candy cane phenomenon is no exception. The results, however, are not well appreciated. There's the multicolored canes and the assorted flavors. One of them actually includes dill pickle or habanero. The comments included, quote, all these weird flavored candy canes. The colors aren't even Christmassy. (laughs) Candy canes don't need you to change them. Peppermint only, please. And candy canes are gross as it is. And now you want to make them ugly too? (laughs) Number six, Christmas peeps. 
Oh, man, now we're getting into some fighting territory here. I love me some peeps, but apparently a lot of you don't. What's wrong with you? The clearly misguided comments from those who don't like peeps are, quote, peeps are the worst by far. Why do they have to try all the holidays now? And, quote, I saw they have peeps shaped like Christmas trees now. So that's my vote for number one worst. I say, no, you're the worst. (laughs) You struck a nerve with me on that one. Number five in the worst Christmas candy list is the old-fashioned hard candy mix. You know, I got to agree with this one. It's like a bowl of solidified colored sugar clumps that have been uh, around since your grandmother's grandparents smuggled them in from the old country. It's still, it's still in the original dish, by the way. Now, the comments uh, from the haters backed me up. Quote, I tried one, and it tasted like soap. Is my grandmother trying to tell me I have a potty mouth? potty mouth another one that awkward moment when your grandma offers you the dusty candy dish and thinks she's making your day (laughs) number four lifesaver storybooks oh man nostalgia there you know the little cardboard box that opens up like a book each side has five rolls of lifesavers and originally each one was different 10 rolls of sugar that santa left in your christmas stocking dang Unfortunately, the box, or the book, now has 10 rolls of the same flavor Lifesavers. What the hell's up with that? And the haters had a different take. They said, those Lifesaver storybooks, they just make me sad. (laughs) Another one. My grandfather used to always complain about how much packaging everything has these days. How many layers does the kid have to go through to get to a freaking Lifesaver? Dude, that was half the fun. All right, coming in at number three, reindeer corn. (laughs) Don't know what that is? Well, think candy corn, only green, red, and white. Much like Peeps, I like candy corn slash reindeer corn. It's uh, tasty and sugary goodness, and it's impossible to stop eating them. Reaching into the candy bowl and grabbing a handful and popping them in your mouth and realizing it was the last one you had, so you head back to the candy bowl. Come on, people. They're great. But again, haters going to hate. This stuff definitely is polarizing. You like it or you don't. Comments from the less sophisticated include, Christmas-themed candy corn is just disgusting. What? Here's another one. I'm going to say candy corn. It's just the worst. It emits some kind of flavor that scares me. (laughs) And those little candy corns that are supposed to be for elves or reindeer, you can have them. (laughs) All right, number two. We're getting so close to the top here, aren't we? Number two, chocolate-covered cherry cordials. Why do chocolate cherry cordials fail so miserably? You know, chocolate's good, yeah. Cherries are good, yeah, okay. Sometimes a surprise in the middle is a good thing, and apparently for a lot of you, this one is not one of those times. Now, I'm going to admit, I don't mind these. However, I'm always a bit suspicious of the stuff that oozes out when you bite into one. In order to eat these things, you have to pop the whole thing in your mouth at once, if you want to avoid spilling that nasty candy juice all over yourself. Those who really don't like them say, quote, that poor little cherry has been swimming in whatever that junk is, and now we're supposed to want to eat it? <laughs> and here's, here's a good one. This says to me, I got you something at Walgreens. <laughs> and now for the number one worst Christmas candy. The survey says... Christmas nougat. 
those little cellophane-wrapped nuggets of Christmas joy. Again, I find myself on the wrong side of the fence here. I don't mind them unless it's, and, and this is a really big unless, the nougat has that dried fruit crap or nuts in it. Then it's just cellophane-wrapped cow manure. Not that I've had cellophane-wrapped cow manure, but the haters contend peppermint nougat candies have a fundamental problem. It seems that they're thought of by many to have a flavor that's inconsistent with the expectations of the nougat candy. Chewy textures suggest to many people have a rich caramel or chocolate experience. Maybe the minty flavor is just at odds with what your brain expects. Others say they look like a 1950s jello party gone horribly, horribly wrong. Comments include, quote, I want to like this stuff but those little Christmas tree gooey poker chip things just taste weird and feel icky in my mouth. <laughs> Another one, squishy Christmas tree mint circle things. Squishy and minty is just weird. And lastly, that false minty flavor that gives you a little twinge in your brain and makes you aware again that your gag reflex is still working. <laughs> so there you go. The worst candy you can give somebody is Christmas nougats. That's according to candystore.com. And with that, I am going to wrap this mess up. Uh, and what did we learn today? Well, we learned if you want to stop choir boys from fidgeting, give them a candy candy cane. We learned that uh, peppermint bark candy can't decide which team it plays for. And we learned Doug should never have taken his recording studio apart and tried to put it back together again bad things happen. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next time on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. <laughs>